Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Hey, thanks for joining us for this Caregiver Life. We're doing some special episodes from Washington, D.C. during the Hidden Heroes Convening Week. And we're joined right now by Brian Vines. Uh, Brian is a fellow alum with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, and he's also the president of the Alumni Association. But he's here today to talk to us about holiday stress. Now, Brian has done something that most wives would not appreciate. Tell us what you've done, Brian. Well, when you put it that way, it sounds like a bad thing, (laughs) but for ease, uh, we moved my mother in with us for a while, and there's nothing like stress on the person you're taking care of to have their in-law living with them in earshot all day long. But let me me just give you a a little context uh, about myself before I go into more about uh, relieving holiday stress. one, I'm a male caregiver, and there are over 5.5 million military and veteran caregivers in the United States, and 40% of us are male caregivers. That's so surprising, and I bet our listeners had no idea how many men are caregivers. Why don't we know this fact? I think a lot of times that guys have a difficult time identifying themselves as male caregivers, but there's so many of them out there they are doing it. There's fathers, there's brothers, there's sons, there's also... Uh, battle buddies out there that are taking care of wounded warriors and just doing a phenomenal job and even though they may not identify as being a caregiver they're doing a caregiver's job and one of the things that I want to champion as a male caregiver is one it's okay to identify Mm -hmm. as a caregiver it's nothing less than manly about doing that but once you do that you open yourself up to so many resources that are out there that you can tap into and their support group with other male caregivers that may be going through similar issues that you are, that they can share their own best business practices with you and make your life a whole lot better. Well, just to play off of that, and um, Mary is here with us too, so we'll get Mary involved in the conversation, but just to play off of that, um, you've done something that, that takes a lot of strength and responsibility. You've brought your mother into your home. You're already caring for your wife because you said you identified it as being easier for you, but really what you've done is you're, you're just trying to take care of these women and that are important to you in your life. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, bringing an in-law in with, uh, with your wife, it, uh, it puts you in a position where a lot of times that you don't want to choose sides, right. but you're forced into doing that. And, and let me give you a little background about why uh, mom moved in with us. Um, in fact, I was deployed in Iraq when uh, my dad passed away and my wife that I take care of she was there to kind of help my mother go through that very difficult time for That's the family wonderful. I got to come home on emergency leave and, and be there for uh, for dad's funeral but Natalie my wife out of the graciousness of her heart invited my mom to come in and live with us and I think at the time she honestly thought that this would just be a, a temporary fix mm-hmm. uh, until you know mom would get on her feet and, and find her own place. Because mom was leaving a large farm uh, with 
all types of uh, orchards and a big house, and there's no way that she could have handled that. Well, you know, so many caregivers enter into their caregiving relationship seeing it as a temporary um, situation, and then in reality, it's it's their long-term reality. Absolutely, because once they move in, there's no moving them out. And what a terrible feeling for a young son, an only child, to say, Mom, I'm sorry, i got to kick you to the road. Of course because not. Because you're causing tension here in the family. Right. But uh, we, we were able to work through this, and uh, our solution was we moved. And while <laughs> our house is being built, uh, Natalie and I moved into an apartment. Okay. And so there was no room for Mom to live in the crowded apartment with us and Natalie's service dog. So we had to move Mom back to uh, Oklahoma, where her and Dad live. And so she is staying with friends right now while Nally and I are waiting for our house to be built. So it kind of solved itself. Um, temporarily. Temporarily, at well, least. Well, let me yes. ask you this. So you're all three of you are living under the same roof. Um, how do you handle holiday stress? Like, as a woman, or even just as a homeowner, I like to decorate my home a certain way, and I can imagine Natalie likes to do that, your, your wife, your mom likes to decorate a certain way. So how, how do you juggle that? Well, I think, first of all, looking at the root of the stress. Uh, a lot of times is that, you know, mom is set in her ways, and how she's done it throughout her 88 years of uh, being on this earth. Nally is set in her ways, how she does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mom is used to looking at me and knows what her son wants. Nally's used to looking at me as my wife knows what her husband wants. So you have these points of friction, this conflict that's always kind of tugging at each other. And I've got to choose sides. Do I support my wife? Do I support my oh. mother? And, and I will tell you, as I told my wife, that you know when you become married and two becomes one you separate from your mother and father and you become one with your wife so natalie my wife always took priority and i had to continuously you know to reinforce that with her Mm. that she was my priority oh that's so beautiful um does your your mother need care is your mother relatively healthy so she's relatively healthy but she doesn't drive so she would become very dependent on me to take her to doctor's appointments, to take her to get groceries, whatever. But this became time taken away from Nally sure. and I. So that another uh, point of friction. Now, um, when it comes to holiday travel, um, do you guys go and visit family? Um, how do you coordinate that? Do you and Natalie take time for yourselves? Uh, really, we take time for ourselves. Uh, Nally's uh, grandparents that are getting very elderly, in fact her mother is uh, suffering from dementia and we had to put her uh, into a home specifically for that, Okay. that we spend a lot of our holidays going to see her and, and Nally just loves her to death and nothing brings more warmth to my heart to see Nally excited about something and, and seeing the relationship she has with her grandmother. So I am perfectly happy taking her there and allow her to spend the last few years that her grandmother has, yeah. and hopefully it's years, uh, with her and seeing that happiness. Well, I know this show's about caregiving and holiday tips, but what a beautiful partnership that you have, and not only caring for your wife, um, who's a wounded veteran, but also supporting her and still honoring her as your equal. And I think that's so difficult in marriages where uh, one partner is a caregiver. And so I just want to really salute you for doing that and um, what a, how blessed she is to have you as a partner. Well, well thank you. And, and maybe the way I'm presenting it, it sounds like it's flawless and easy. 
but uh, by no means is it. And I think that uh, I go through what most caregivers go through, that uh, a lot of times you may put on a face in public where everything looks good and you're in control and yeah. there's no issues, but uh, when you get home behind closed doors, it's not exactly what it seems like. And uh, so we run through the same difficulties that everyone else does, the same uh, anxieties and frustrations and, and having to take care of her and her schedule and doing everything I can do to try to make her life as best as possible, you know, being a disabled veteran. Yeah, that quality of life is so important. Uh, Mary, you're also married to yes. your care recipient and you have, you have been uh, married a long time and you've been caring for him a long time. Yes. Um, are there parts of Brian's story that you relate to as a spouse caregiver? I do, except for I think what I throw in there is that I had young children. You did, yeah. When, um, when Tom got sick um, so long ago, 1993. They were 9 and 10 years old. And so for me, thinking about the holidays, it was more about trying to figure out what works for the kids because it would be their memories because that, that's what, you know, as kids, that's what we're holding on to. And they can't hold on to the idea that their dad's sick. Right. It's, there's no context for a young child for that. So we tried to make it work for them. And I, you know, I think I did a really good job of getting them to, you know, having them remember it in a good context. But I still think it was difficult for them. I still think they carry that with them a little bit, and that's okay because that's just the life that we have. And I think that's what I hear Brian saying. It is the life that we have. This is our life. You know, and I try to listen to all the members in my family, not necessarily verbally, but by their reactions, which is also what I think I, I hear you, you saying, is the balance between your wife, who comes first for you in your life, and your mom, who's very important to you in your life. Yeah. And how can I get these two parties to work well together? What can you do? What can you leave out that was ever important to you to keep these other people happy in your lives and love? And I think that's always the balance that we play as caregivers. With the kids, and I think so for people who are listening who have children, you tend to put the kids first because they have no choice in the matter. Mm -hmm. This is not their bag. This is not their thing. It just happened to happen in their family. So how, you know, we've had, we had Christmases for that. We had, money. We had a Christmas tree that... <laughs> The Charlie Didn't, Brown Christmas tree? No, we had the fire department deliver it because Tom couldn't get out of the house to deliver it, to put it up, and it fell down in the middle of the night and crashed. And everybody got up and like, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> and then suddenly, without any warning, Sean became, our son became, was very allergic and had an asthma, an asthma attack. It was like, oh my God, can we have like a better Christmas? Could one more thing go wrong? Could one more thing go wrong? But I don't think the kids have any memory of that at all. Mm -hmm. I think they remember that they got to stay up really late because I was working a shift, 3 to 11, and they were waiting in that. I brought like every little inexpensive thing I could at Kmart and mm -hmm. wrapped it, and that's what they thought was Christmas for them. So I, th I think what we think of Christmas, or the holidays in general, can't be put on our loved ones when we have big changes in our family. And I think as caregivers, we want the holiday to play out perfectly for the people that we care for. You know, you're talking about uh, ensuring your wife's quality of life is the best that it can be. And sometimes the best that a holiday can be has a few disasters. Mm -hmm. And for caregivers acknowledging that and not trying to fix it and recognizing that it's okay, this isn't going to be our only memory. 
um, is really important. And a lot of what you both said was just acknowledging the loved ones in your home mm-hmm. and the holidays is the biggest part of it. Um, it's the theme I'm kind of taking away mm-hmm. from both of you, whether it's your mother and your wife or your husband and your young children, just acknowledging them and that where they are and that their needs are different than what yeah. your needs are. And you have to change things, and, and you've experienced that yourself. For the, yeah. for the way that your holidays are, the way it was is not necessarily the way it's going to be. And it's all how you deliver that message to your loved ones and what you need to do about it. And I know you've had tough Christmases, and I have too, and I could do that on another podcast where yeah. it's pretty lengthy to really get into it. And I think those are important stories to share because, like you said, Brian, it sounds so good. Like, mm. I'm here. I I'm a great here son. To Washington, mm-hmm. <laughs> but man, at what? cost that I get here. Yeah. I don't mean the money that we paid, but man, what a cost. And what cost am I even paying today with some of the pictures I got from Tom and the things that are not working well for him because because of the ALS. And he doesn't do it to alarm me, but right. he always does it so I know. But we're still triaging what's yes. going on back home even yes. though we're in DC for the week. Yeah. And I and I do want to uh, note that we are recording live at the Americana Hotel. Um, and so we're so excited to be here and uh, trying out some new equipment. So if you've been listening to us for a long time on this caregiver life, you may notice some improvements and we we've been telling you that we would improve and here we are improving. Um, Brian, you mentioned that male caregivers should uh, they should do a better job of self-identifying. Uh, how can they do that? How could somebody, sell, how could a man that's listening who's caring for a mother, a wife, a, a child, uh, what could they do to connect to other male caregivers? Well, I think first is to be honest with yourself that, that you are a caregiver. Uh, and then there's all types of local resources they can reach out to in their own community. There are resources in the regional, in the region, and also re- resources nationally they can reach out to. It. And of course, I reached out to the Elizabeth Dole Foundation and became a a fellow in 2015. And it allowed me to have um, a platform that I could advocate for other caregivers. But there's other organizations like Wounded Warrior Project and Independence Fund that they have programs specifically for male caregivers. And they will link you up with other male caregivers in similar situations and kind of help you chart uh, this path or this journey that you're on uh, to be a caregiver. And face it, the, the better caregiver you can be, whether it's through educating yourself online or joining a support group, etc., the better caregiver that you can be, the better off your recipient yeah. is going to be. And I think that's important. Well, I love that. Um, locally, you can call 211, whether you're a military caregiver or you're a civilian caregiver. Um, 211 is how you connect locally to find those caregiver services. Um, nationally, you can uh, connect if you're a military and veteran caregiver at hiddenheroes.org. And Mary and I will also post some other links for you to connect um, as a male caregiver and find some support and resources. Um, we'd love for you to connect with us on social media. We're on Twitter at uh, This Caregiver. We're also on Facebook at This Caregiver Life um, and Instagram. I'm so excited about Instagram. And if you want to email us, just send a note to thiscaregiverlife at gmail.com. We answer every one of them, and you might even have the opportunity to be a guest on a future show. So, Brian, thank you for joining us. Mary, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Until next time. I was going to share this resource. Oh, we still can. Hey, okay, here's what you're going to do. I'm going to put this in front.